It's time for Cyclone Insider. From the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. All right, an hour early this week. Welcome to Cyclone Insider. We've got uh, Randy Peterson in studio with me. Tommy Birch is up in Ames tonight uh, covering Iowa State women's basketball. That goes on the air here on KXNO at 6 o'clock. The Cyclones will host TCU. Tommy will be up there covering that for the Des Moines Register. Um, Randy Peterson is here, though, and we are going to have a fun-filled live conversation. So if you guys want to join us and talk Cyclones, any Cyclone questions, comments, concerns, you're welcome to call us at 515-284-5966. Pete, what's up? How are you? I'm well. It's good to have you here. It's a little bit cold outside, but that's okay. Let's start with this um, Jamie Pollard news from today. It's not Jamie Pollard news, but he he certainly was a a big uh, impactor when it comes to the, the proposal I'm calling it transfer reform okay. in college athletics. Yeah. I feel like that's a decent way to describe it. It is. Let's outline it for, uh, for, for some folks who are here at 5 o'clock getting off work today. I haven't heard anything about this. Iowa State and Baylor have their fingerprints all over a document that has made its rounds around the Internet today, reforming transfer rules in college athletics. And I'll put a – I'm going to outline this quickly, and then you can cover up anything I might have missed. The rule would be where the institutions can't really control where these um, student athletes want to transfer to. It's a situation where, let's say, um, Paul Rhodes was recently fired from Iowa State three years ago. Um, after he's gone, any of those players who he recruited to Iowa State, in theory, could have transferred somewhere else without having to pay a penalty in a year of eligibility, or they wouldn't have to sit out a year. Let's say uh, athlete X wants to transfer to school D uh, for no reason at all other than he just doesn't like it there. You can do that. You don't have to get permission to do that. You do have to sit out a year, but you don't lose a year of eligibility. Basically, it's just giving the student athlete a heck of a lot more power than it currently has. Have did I missed you, anything? Did you, say, well, did you say you're eligible immediately? You're eligible immediately. If... If your coach leaves, yeah. If your coach if you leaves, coach, yeah. If your or coach, if you get put under probation, yeah. If your coach leaves, you get under probation. You can transfer. It's 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 tilting the player, the student athletes' rights towards more towards the coach. I'm not saying it's it's evening the playing field by any means, but it's tilting more. If coach has, we've we've all. We've all criticized the fact that if a coach can leave, why can't a player? Correct. This has been going on for years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, with the scare that the NCAA may have been on the verge of saying athletes can transfer wherever they want to, anytime they want to, let's just open it up. The the Big 12, I mean, Iowa State and Baylor, Figured out. Okay, let's let's try to put some sanity into this thing. So that's where Timmy Day and I don't know who the um, at Iowa State. I don't I don't know the gentleman's name at Baylor or the person's name at Baylor. That's where they came up with. If your coach leaves, whether he's fired, whether he 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 breaks his con his, he breaks his contract on his own, or whether the team on who on which you're playing is on is on some sort of probation that that precludes it from playing in the postseason. As long as you you can go anywhere you want to and be eligible immediately with financial aid, I think that's cool. 
Do you? Uh, I agree with you. By the way, I'm just trying to. I don't know if you heard Ross and I. We talked for about 30 minutes to open the show about this. I'm trying to find out some like holes in this. Oh, there's a ton of holes. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out really like how does this affect the coaches? Well, let's start there. Like, do you think that because my first thing, my I, I had two thoughts as, as far as how this affects coaches. One. I don't feel like you're going to see coaches hopping jobs nearly as often as they currently do if this goes into place because of uncertainties of what you're taking over, right? I mean, um, again, let's just use Iowa State yeah. as the example because the most recent coach to get fired in our state was Paul Rhodes. If if Paul Rhodes is fired and Matt Campbell is looking into this job, but Matt Campbell also doesn't know that Alan Lazard and Joel Lanning and Jake Campos are going to be there. Is it as enticing? It probably would be from Campbell's standpoint because it's such a financial boost to go from Toledo yeah. to, to Iowa State. But that I feel like coaches are going to appreciate what they have more, and I also feel like universities would have a lighter um, trigger. As far as firing people. Uh, that's that's the point I was going to make. But going back to your point, at what stage through the new hiring coach process will – let's let's use your Matt Campbell, Paul Rhodes thing. Mm-hmm. At what point would – the, the new coach would have to hire – that's one of, the, that's one of the, the, the holes. At what point does a does an Alan Lazard? Let's just use him. Yeah. Alan Lazard, Jake Campos, Joel Lanning. If after after Paul Rhodes leaves, gets leaves or gets fired, at what point would they have to declare that they're transferred? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because what about the new signing period? How has this impacted it? I think it impacts it. Um, because I mean, those kids all have to be let out of their letter. They do. Yes. At that point. Right. Yeah. And and the middle of February. February is a, a, a busy hot seat time anyway but but these these athletes they they know what's going on on the hot seat why on your hot oh, seat yeah, they're watching. hot seat wise um i when i talked to jamie about this today for the column that i have online right now i asked him i said does this make an athletic director think twice before firing a coach um because if you fire a coach then potentially yeah, absolutely. players go with you you know, not with you, but players, you know, players could leave and go elsewhere. And and Jamie said, Jamie essentially said, well, let's just let that play out and see and see what would happen. So so in other words, yeah, there are some there are some some things that 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 probably have to be tweaked. Um, there'll be tampering. There's always tampering. I, I mean, feel like there'll I, be more tampering. Yeah, now. I can see. I it, it would not surprise me if a if a um, if there's a staff position, whether it be basketball or football, if there's a staff position to just watch the transaction wire, to keep an eye on what coaches may potentially get fired. Do you think that the NCAA is even remotely ready to oversee something like this? No. I don't either. No, I don't. I don't think think that they are now. And you're going to open up free agency? But uh, but do you really do they really want to oversee it? We've seen that's a great question. We've seen that's that they're not, that they're not going to take action against their cash cows. Did the NCAA take action against Louisville? Who took action against Louisville? 
the feds. Mm-hmm. Did the NCAA take action against North Carolina? They're not going to. Not really. I mean, it's yeah, a slap on the wrist. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to mess with their, um, um, you know, the teams that that bring them lots of money in the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to mess with that. Now, let's let's talk about this aspect of it. If you're an assistant coach, let's just use basketball. Okay. okay? If you're an assistant, which is, I think, a totally different conversation. With the, but it's all bas- part of this. No, I know. Oh, I see. Yeah, but basketball oh, yeah. and football are so yeah. different. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But let's. I, use- I could see like coaches paying off AAU coaches to like control these kids. I really. Well, they do that now. I know, but I think it, <laughs> but, I think it'd be a lot more heightened. Yeah, where like the coaches own them and not the schools. But whatever, I'm going way down yeah. the rabbit's hole. But I think I, I think it has some validity to it. Let's look at the assistant coaches. Okay. Okay. So so your so your boss either gets fired or leaves. So you're out of a job. You can, you're, you're, the, the athletes can leave, but they can't go where the head coach is going. Correct. Well, they can, but they have to sit they out. Have to, they can go, but they have to sit out, yeah, for immediate eligibility. They can have immediate eligibility wherever the assistant coach goes. Yes. So the assistant coach can say, hey, you hire me, I can bring athlete ABC. Yeah, and to think that Joe John conversations with me. wouldn't happen oh, is insane. Are you kidding me? You bet they would happen. Absolutely, they'd happen, and I don't know. I, I yeah. The assistant coaches are going to get paid a lot more. I w- maybe. If, if all, I mean, they're the ones with the relationships. Yeah, without question, they're the ones with the relationships with the players, not the head coach. Yeah. All right. Well, in most, in most, in many, many. Yeah. I would say the overwhelming majority of case. Yeah. The assistant coaches have stronger relationship with the players. Than, what about the strength and conditioning coach? Yeah, that's, that's the whole staff. Somebody asked, somebody emailed me right after the story was put online about, or yeah, emailed me, text, emailed me about what's this mean for Kyle Kemp? I don't know. This doesn't mean anything Nothing. for him. I mean, like I emailed back. I mean, like I've been saying on this air and in the paper, I would not surprise me if Iowa State already knows and they're just waiting till after National Signing Day. Not surprise me at all. I'm with you there. Uh, 515-284-5966, Cyclone Insider, uh, here until 6 o'clock tonight. Let's go to Don, who's been waiting patiently. Hey, Don, what's up? Hey, it's uh, John, but that's okay. Oh, okay, hey, John. I'm patient. Um, I, I think there should be a differentiation between whether a coach is fired and whether they leave on their own. I think if, if a coach is fired, I, I'm not sure the kids should get released in that situation. I think it's when a coach leaves to better his situation and these players that they recruited are now stuck uh, in the place where they are. I think that's what strikes me as unfair. If the coach gets fired, then he has not broken a commitment to those kids. He, you know, he was relieved of his duties. But I think that in that case, the contract between the kids and the school should remain uh, intact. Don't you have any... Make any sense? The, yeah, no, I, I I totally understand what you're saying, John. I, I disagree with you, I but I, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, I still have that... I still have sympathy for that young man or that young woman who she didn't... He or she didn't fire the coach. Ob- the student... The right. university still has obligation to the student-athlete that signed... That's there. I mean, not the coach, you know... The, the, yeah, okay, but the coach... The university has, I would think, still has an obligation... And well, and, not, and not to, to let the kid go to let the student athlete go I wherever think the, he wants. I think the overwhelming point to to this um, proposal, though, John, is to even the playing field to give the the student athlete more rights, and that coach can still get up and leave whenever 
and the players still cannot. Uh, does that make sense? I think that's where this all comes down to. Well, and I, I totally, I've, I've been in that camp for, for many years, that, that a, a guy goes into the parents' living room and says, give me your child for four years, and then a year later he's gone. That, there's a, that's wrong, and that's not fair to that kid or his, or his parents. And, and so that's, that's when I think players need to be immediately you know, released if they want to be. Let me ask you this. Let me, to the school. let me paint it this way for you, John, and we'll see how, we'll see where you go. Um, young man or young woman is recruited by head coach, commits uh, under the same circumstance, right? I want to play for you for my four or five years. I really respect you. Uh, athletics director up and leaves. New athletics director comes in, fires coach who they committed to. Um, the student athlete still um, is losing the coach they want to play for. Uh, just the circumstances of the exit are different. Should they still not be able to go and move on and play somewhere else? I, I that's it's a good point, and these. Yeah, John, you there? I think we lost John. The more you can do right, for the thank student, you for the call, John. It's a good conversation. The more you can do for the student athlete right now, the better. We have coaches making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um. And they're free to do whatever they want to. Student athletes, I'm not saying they should be, they should make millions and millions and millions of dollars, but the student athletes should have some free reign on what they can do. There should be some student athletes rights as well. And I get it, the differentiation between the firing and the not firing and just breaking your contract and going elsewhere. Nonetheless, a contract is being broken. And I, I don't think you, I don't think you should be able to make a distinction between the two. I'm reading between the lines here, and let's bounce this off of you, Pete. And Bob, hold on, we'll get to your call here momentarily. I I often or I like to compare this to rules changes in the sport of football. A lot of people, you know, when we sit at that officiating deal yeah. every August, it, I mean, it never fails. You got the 50 year old commentator in the back who played football in the 80s who thinks it should be played one way. Well, we know a lot more now, okay? CTE is real. Concussions are real. We've got a problem, and the sport needs to police itself. The sport needs to fix itself, or, like it or not, Washington, D.C. is going to come and litigate the hell out of you and change it in ways you probably don't want it to. So we may as well work together here. And let's fix the sport. Let's make it as safe as possible so we can move on, and, and it's better for everybody. I The way I see this is the NCAA and a lot of these institutions know the road we're going right now is not sustainable. We're, we're, we're buying out guys for $10 million. We're paying Kevin Sumlin, who's a really good coach, $10 million just to leave, and then we're – Hiring another guy, whatever they paid Jimbo Fisher, and I don't whatever. think they should have buyouts. You're paying a guy to coach bad, who had who had a bad record. That should be, and you're paying millions. And and I I'm not in favor of buyouts, but anyway, you see where I'm going with this though I do. is the whole amateurism deal is it's a farce. I think we all are on the same page to whatever extent we there's disagree. Like Ross is very down one way on this. I can't get on that ship with him, but I understand why he's there. Um, I think we all can agree when you're talking about 2024 and all the new television contracts coming up, and now you're going to have all these tech companies getting involved. And we're talking about, I mean, 
billions of dollars in the Big Ten sake right now. We gotta quit playing charades here, man. Like we gotta call this what it is. And I think this is the and this is really smart. This is everybody getting ahead of what could come down if they don't start to make some changes. And we've already seen this with the cost of attendance. Like the life of a student athlete's much better than it was ten years ago. When, and it's when still I was not good enough. But it, yeah, but you see where I, I, right. this is an escalator right now. Yeah, it's it's a piece of the puzzle. They're taking right. This is just another step. I, I agree. I agree because, like you said, in 2024, the whole college athletic world especially football and basketball, not going to be anything like we know it now. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you're going to be, you know, what, Iowa's on the Big Ten Network tonight. Drake is on um, um, ESPN3 tonight. Yeah. Um, Iowa State's on one of the ESPNs against – ESPNU tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. 6 o'clock. Yeah, and the Baylor game on Saturday at at 7 o'clock is on one of the ESPNs. I'm not – you know, will will that be the same case in 2024 and beyond after 2024? I doubt it. I don't know. But – so, yeah, in this respect, the Big 12 is just trying to get ahead of the curve in, 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 as far as, as far as authoring a proposal that would, that goes another step farther. Like you said, you talked about the cost of attendance. Mm-hmm. Goes another step farther in giving the, the student athletes more rights. Not, not, you know, it's not, they're not there yet. And I had somebody tell me today that, that student athletes should be paid to the highest bidder. Well, you know, that's all well and good if you're Texas. But that that never should happen, and it never will happen. But we're getting closer. We're getting. We're doing. We're we're taking another step towards towards making life a little bit more easier for the student athletes. Five one five two eight four five nine six six. Randy Peterson joins me here on Cyclone Insider on fourteen sixty kicks. And now let's talk to Bob. Bob, welcome to the program. Thanks. Uh, I got a question: Is is the contract? If the student athlete signs, it's not with the coach; it's with the school. Correct. So if the coach leaves, the contract—I'm uh, a lawyer, but it seems like from a legal perspective, has not been breached. Uh, therefore, it seems like it would be difficult for, uh, as a legal matter, uh, to say the contract is void. Yeah, but that, that's if what we're talking about, is, though. Bob is changing the changing the still doing what they said they were going to do. But that, this is what the schools are talking about: is changing the paperwork to make it more fair for the athlete. Right. Yeah, I mean, right now, yeah, what I you're am. saying, this is that's absolutely correct. There, I mean, that's and that's why we we wait on you know guys have to sit out when they transfer and they lose out. That you're exactly right. That's the way it is now. But they're talking about changing that. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you I this, mean, I, and fans don't like to hear it a lot. Well, hear me out, Bob, real quick. Fans don't like to hear this because Iowa and Iowa State fans or Drake fans, you, we, we love our teams more than anything. They're our professional sports. Oftentimes they're alumni. Um, we've got our diplomas on the wall. It's a way of life for an Iowa and Iowa State fan. The problem is most of these kids, not all of them, but I, I would say a majority in football and men's basketball, they are committing to a coach or an idea of what the – their athletic life might be they're not committing to that school it's just a it's a hard fact for some people to understand but that's just the way that it is can i interrupt chris yeah. and bob yeah. i think i think what you said is very accurate but i think it leans more so um towards basketball yeah, I, a coach more so uh, in basketball. kids commit toward to coaches first than the school. assistance yeah and and assistance because there's more one-on-one contact there whereas in, in most places whereas in football 
don't get me wrong. You're, you're the coach and the systems play a great a great role in it, but you're committing more to the program, which is more why to the tradition. I've of always a program. had a problem with this. It drives me nuts. Back in the day when Iowa State would do this, and I've seen three regimes do it. When there's a kid in rural Iowa who's probably like a FCS type player, right? Uh, and you're you're down to we got two or three scholarships to give. And they take a flyer on some kid from Florida who's never stepped foot in Ames, Iowa, over a kid from Iowa who has grew up his entire life wanting to be a, a cyclone because he wants to commit to the school. And and that doesn't work out because half the times the kids from Florida or Texas, like they don't they don't care about the culture. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about any of that stuff. They're just doing it because they want to play football. And oftentimes it doesn't work out as well. So I think, Bob, you always want kids who are – looking at it from that aspect, but it's just not realistic to think that they're all that way. Did, uh, did they address anything in this, uh, uh, I don't know what it is, white paper about uh, how they treat walk-ons? Yeah, yes. they're, they're same as same as scholarships. They're free to go. They can do whatever they, they want. They can do whatever they want to and as well. It's, it, and they don't have to sit out. It's the same thing for, it's the same thing on all sports, same thing for scholarship athletes, same thing for walk-ons. Okay. Thanks. You bet, Bob. Thanks, Bob. John, welcome to Cyclone Insider here I think on we've hit on a hot button 60 KXNO. Hello? Hey, John. John. Yep. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Um, okay. I had a question. Uh, just, I'm just catching the scenario. I got it back in town. but um, So let's just play this out. Like two years ago when, when Prome took over, somebody like Monte or George, Technically, could have left for another school to play their last year or two. Correct. George was a Maybe. senior, but so, no, he yeah. could have. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. all could have. Yeah, they all could have. And in a so scenario really, like yeah, that, so really, like yeah, so that's um, Mike Shashesky would go. Crazy. They all could have gone to wherever South Dakota. Could have gone with TJ. Yep. Well, they all could have gone with with Maddie Abdomasi. Sure. Sure. So it makes sense to somebody like, especially like let's take George for example. He, he could have left and gone to. A bigger school to have a chance to win a national championship, maybe for that last year. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Jeff, welcome to Cyclone Insider here on fourteen sixty KXNO. Hello, Jeff. We lost Jeff. Where's your best pizza place? <laughs> um, we lost Jeff. Okay. That's okay though, because we're going to talk a little Iowa State recruiting. Matthew. Matt Bain, yeah, he's going to join us next. He's been hanging out in Chicago, where all these uh, Cyclone basketball players who are coming next year, they're going to be joining the program next year. And uh, stick around for that. We're going to talk to him next here on Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. It's Cyclone Insider from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back as we uh, count down to six. Throw out the Iowa State women's basketball at that time. Uh, we will talk to, I believe we're going to talk to Birch at some point here in the next 30 minutes or so. But right now, Randy, we have another one of your colleagues from the Des Moines Register, a guy who's been um, spending a lot of time in the Windy City over the last week. Matthew Bain joins us. He's been uh, covering Cyclone basketball recruiting. Matt, we've never met. Are you Matt or Matthew? How do you want to be called? Matt's good. Matt in person, Matthew in print is usually what I say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you want to look all sophisticated in print. I you look it. sophisticated exactly. and out of print. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that, Randy. Matt, um, I, first of all, I have read a lot of your pieces on the uh, Chicago kids that Iowa State is recruiting. Done a really nice job with that. 
what uh what was the experience like covering these kids in this you know this seemingly hot pocket for Steve Prohm and his staff and what they're doing on the recruiting trail wonderful experience with just a bunch of people who who really really want the best for these kids um, the first place I went to on Monday was Simeon um, went and met up with with Taylor Horton Tucker and his mom and I was just struck by how everybody at the school um, knew who Taylor was loved Taylor um, was excited to see that a reporter was there talking to Taylor and excited for Taylor to get exposure um, the coaches are all big on this guy. Um, but that, that was one thing that really struck me. And same thing when I went over to Hinsdale South, met up with Zion Griffin. Just the, uh, the support systems that these guys have, uh, it's no surprise that they've wound up being the recruits that they are. And they've wound up having the reputation as good kids that they do when you see the support systems they have at the schools. Yeah, um the Taylor deal was interesting to me because I would think that a yeah. guy of his profile, you said people were excited to see a reporter there. I guess I would think that that he would get a lot of exposure. That's interesting to me that he doesn't. However, I'm also an Iowan, and when we have a D1 kid in our state, that's all anybody's writing about and talking about. But, man, there's just a ton <laughs> of those guys there. Right. Oh, gosh, even on his team there's four or five D1 guys. Messiah Jones is coming to Drake. Um, Xavier Pinson is – just got a Missouri and Georgetown offer. He's visiting Missouri um, on February 22nd. There's a couple other guys. There's a kid with Middle Tennessee State offers. I mean, just everybody on that team, it's all D1 guys. Like you said, in Iowa, when there's a guy like DJ Carton or Patrick McCaffrey, I mean, they are the story. They are the deal. In Chicago, that's not the case. And even in, at Simeon, that's not the case, where there's D1 kids there all the time. Although I will say that that Taylor does stand out, and from talking to his coach, Rob Smith, he, he wasn't shy about it, saying that Taylor is one of the elite products of this program. He compared him to Jabari Parker. He said pretty much the only difference between Jabari Parker and Taylor Horton Tucker, Jabari was 6'9", and Taylor 6'5", 6'6". But other than that, he sees him as, as the same type, kind of mental makeup, the same kind of range where you can guard two through four, um, in high school, probably guard two through five, but in college, guard two through four. Um, so, no, Taylor is on a little bit of an upper echelon. Matt, getting the getting the three um, the three players from Chicago, George Condit being the other one. What doors, if any, will this open for Iowa State? Well, it definitely provides an opportunity. Um, I one thing I talked to a lot of people over there about was is Iowa State opening a Chicago pipeline here. It's their Chicago pipeline forming. And what everybody said was there could be. They have the chance right now. They have three Chicago kids. So from now on, when they host a Chicago kid, they bring a Chicago kid in to visit, there's an immediate level of familiarity where they can bond with the, with the other Chicago kids there. And there it, it makes it so Ames, Iowa doesn't seem so, so foreign to Chicago. Um, there's also the opportunity to, if they treat these kids right, if Taylor Horton Tucker loves this time in Iowa State, if Zion Griffin loves Iowa State, George Condit loves it there, they're going to tell their friends back in Chicago. It's going to create um, a fan base back in Chicago that wasn't there before. I mean, to, for this to happen, three kids in one year is just is just unheard of. Joe Henriksen, he's the Chicago Hoops guru over there, runs the City Suburban Hoops support. I mean, he was even talking to me when I was in Chicago months after the, the three people, three signees for Iowa State, he was flabbergasted that Iowa State was able to do this. So now they're saying that they just need to capitalize on it. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, Matt, oops, sorry, Matt. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say two words to you and you can respond. Chicago politics. Uh, um, yes, I. Athletically speaking. <laughs> yes, that's something that Illinois has to deal with and Iowa State doesn't. So that is an advantage that Iowa State has. Although I do think that sort of the story around Taylor Horton Tucker's commitment to Iowa State and what happened with Illinois got a little bit carried away. Um, his mom told me Illinois did not pull the offer. Um, both his mom and Coach Rob Smith told me that, yeah, I don't know why everything was made to seem that Illinois was the number one choice. Iowa State was Taylor's favorite school for a long time, um, and Illinois and Xavier were close second, and they tried to make it so Taylor would sway away from Iowa State. But Iowa State was always number one. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of people who know a lot of little tidbits out there about Taylor's recruitment. But it seems like some of that stuff about Illinois mistreating him or pulling an offer got a little bit blown out of proportion. I asked Coach Smith one of the last things I asked him was, "Okay, I mean, is, how is your relationship with with Illinois? Do you think that the way they handled Taylor's recruitment might affect things?" with Simeon for a Simeon pipeline to Illinois. And he said, oh, my gosh, there's nothing. Our relationship with Illinois, with Illinois is fine. So so who knows what the 100% truth is, but I think I think we got a little bit of a clearer picture um, from going over to Chicago last week. What, what, what type of a player, I feel like I, it gets left out a little bit because of Horton Tucker and Zion Griffin. What kind of a player is he going to be next year immediately for Iowa State? Uh, which one? Zion Griffin. Zion Griffin is going to be a guy who's going to be better on defense at first uh, because his size can translate to guarding two through four, but he's got feet quick enough to perhaps guard uh, point guard. He's 6'6", 210. Um, he, can, he can stretch inside. He can stretch outside. His offense is going to need a little bit of work. Um, one of the biggest reasons that his recruiting blew up this past offseason was because he developed a three-point shot. Before last offseason, he was at best an undersized big. He was an athletic guy who could jump really high and had a nice you know, elbow game, a nice high post game, but that was it. So he's still pretty young, pretty, pretty low on the, on the development of his offensive game, and particularly if he's going to play the two in Iowa State, that'll take some more time too because he plays a very wing, swingman type role at his high school himself South. So he's going to need some time to sort of uh, learn the, the more technical skills, the smaller details of the perimeter game in college. But defensively, I could see him coming in. I, I'm not going to say six man, but I could see him definitely getting minutes because his call, his body is college ready. He's six six two ten. There's no question he's physically ready for some minutes. And I think he'd be one of those spark plug guys on defense that gets you a big play, gets you a steal, gets you a fast break dunk. Um, that's what I think. Cyclones fans can expect in terms of immediate contributions from Zion. What about George Condit? Where's his minutes come next year, if in fact they do? I I don't know if minutes come for him next year. Yeah. I think he is a very good redshirt candidate. Um, he's 6'11 and 200 pounds he's listed. I, I just talked to his dad. His dad said that, his, that George reached 207 pounds, and when he cracked 207 pounds, he ran around the house like he won the lottery. <laughs> that's a good so, family. I know that they were in Ames a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, he, he's going to need to add a, a good, I think, 20 pounds before he's really able to body it up in there with big 12 guys. 
And he's another recruit that is just so young in his in his development. Um, people really didn't know anything about him 12 months ago. He went from zero offers to 36 offers in a span of four months um, last spring and summer. So he he's another guy who's just very, very – has very high upside. We don't really know what the ceiling is right now. We don't really know what to expect from him. But because it could be great, that's why Iowa uh, took the waiver and and uh, offered him. But uh, I don't see him playing next year. I see him as a good redshirt candidate to let him bloom a little bit more. He's a late bloomer right now. Let's let him bloom for one more season before before you throw him out there. Um, and he'll want to add probably 20 pounds at least. One, one thing, I've covered Iowa State recruiting for, man, I'm, I'm getting old, Pete. It's like I'm over 10 years <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I always think of that when I see you. You're so old. 2004. <laughs> man, I'm almost 15 years now, believe it or not. God, I hate um, it when that happens. One thing I've noticed, Matt, is that it seems like Prome seems to be more involved early on with these guys than most head coaches have that I've that I've covered. So I'm curious, like spending the time with these Chicago guys, I know how influential Daniel Robinson is over there. He's got a great name in Chicago. Mm-hmm. How, how much do uh, – what's the percentage of they're there because of the D-Rob, they're there because of Prome, they're there because of the Iowa State tradition? I guess, you know, where does it all weigh out? Because I feel like I – I feel like we should give Prome more credit than than he probably gets. He's just he's very active with this, I think. Right. I think probably Coach Rob is the guy who, who gets in there and starts the process, facilitates the process, along with William Small. He, he's the one who started it with George Condit. Um, but, no, you're right. Steve Prome gets in there early. It's kind of like Matt Campbell with football. Iowa State just has a good track record of getting their head coach in there early with the guys they really, really want. You see Matt Campbell doing it right now at Jack, with Jack Campbell, the Cedar Falls linebacker. They identify their targets early and get in there. I mean, Iowa State isn't one of those basketball teams that, that offers a whole bunch of guys. If you look at their offer list, they usually don't offer as much. They don't offer as much as Iowa. They don't offer as much as the Illinois and the, or the other schools in the Big Ten or the Big 12. They identify the targets that they really want to go after them. And Steve Prome is a big part of that. But, but for this class in particular, if I'm going to break it down percentage-wise, I also think that at least 33% of the reason that these three kids came to Iowa State, 33% of it is each other. They yeah, built a very good, good relationship with each other Yeah, on, on the AAU scene, playing together in Chicago, just being in the same city, um, seeing each other out on the recruiting trail, bonding in AIM. Um, and it, it, it's not, a, it's not a, a ruse. It's not an illusion that these kids really do like each other. I mean, that that's a Fab Five impersonation photo that, that those three, along with Tyrese Halliburton, took in Ames. I mean, that's not fake. These kids really like each other, and they're excited to play with each other. So I think that that was a big part of this as well. Matt, do these guys have any relationship, or do they talk about a current relationship with Lindell Wigginton, Cam Lard, some of the younger guys that are currently on Iowa State's team? They did not with me, no. But I, I do know that they, all, all three of them particularly, love their visits. Um, and bonded with players, but I didn't. I didn't get into specifics with uh, with specific players. No. Matt, w- w- just switching sports here. What about the the receiver that Iowa State recently got a commitment from? Joseph Skates. Yeah, he's a four star guy out of, out of Dayton, Ohio, Dunbar High School. Six foot three, hundred and eighty pounds. He's going to need to add some weight. Um, but I was watching his film the other day, and and obviously he's he's tall, he's athletic, he's got big long strides, he creates separation very well. 
He'll need to work on his route running. He didn't have to really do anything other than run in a straight line in high school. But the thing that stood out to me, which doesn't really happen much in high school films, is this kid loves to block. He <laughs> played strong wow. safety and wide receiver for Dunbar. And I mean, half of the clips on his film package were at strong safety. I mean, he wanted to show recruiters and coaches that he embraces physical play. He's a hard tackler. And then that translates to the offensive side with his blocking. He's a very good blocker. Uh, strong arm, grabs you in the chest, doesn't let go, holds it, maintains it, does it after the play, after the whistle. I and mean, he's a physical, angry guy out there when he blocks. Um, and I pointed out a couple. I did a film breakdown. I pointed out a couple plays where he was the key block for 20-yard touchdown runs, for, for 25-yard gains, for 30-yard touchdown runs. I mean, he, he is a factor on offense when he's not catching the ball just as much as when he is catching the ball. And that's rare to see from a high school senior. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's encouraging that even if he doesn't necessarily see the field as a receiver as a freshman, I mean, he's a guy you just want out there, even on special teams or something. Well, I think Iowa State fans appreciate that too, just because Lazard was so good at it the last couple of years. And Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and they took a lot of pride in that. And with Campbell's offense, I think the way they're going to want to play football in the future when they have a little bit of an offensive line, I think that blocking receivers will be a huge part of that. So, Matt, I really enjoyed that. Uh, really nice to finally get to talk to you. And uh, you've done good work on those recruits, man. It's been really interesting to read. So thank you for your time tonight. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, appreciate it. Take care. Matt Bain from the Des Moines Register. Been spending time in Chicago uh, covering the, the the big three, I guess. Have we given him a name? No, I don't think we have, to be honest with well, you. Well, then there's Halliburton. We didn't mention him. Right. So there is Wisconsin. the fourth. He's a Wisconsin kid. Yeah. Man, he, there's he, that Wisconsin pipeline that's been there so, for a while. Yeah, the, the Halliburton kid, and you don't, I don't like to put too many expectations on a guy that's not fair. He... He looks like Deontay Garrett looked. At and that he age. knows Deontay. Garrett. Yeah, I know they Excuse had that me. like connection yeah. there and all that stuff. But um, he man, I I think Condit and Halliburton both would be better off redshirting next year if they can. But Condit think, for Condit for sure. Yeah, I mean he he's a yeah. twig right now. He's got to yeah. hit the weights. I, which, I don't know about Halliburton yet. Let's see what they do with the wing, the perimeter guys. You know the guards. Let's see how that works out. But uh, um, okay, we're gonna really spice things up when we get back. We are, and we're gonna discuss how Iowa State gets to play North, not North. I wish West. they were playing Northwestern, <laughs> uh, West Virginia without Nick Bat tomorrow night without its point guard. That's coming up next here on Cyclone Insider. It's Cyclone Insider from the Des Moines Register and fourteen sixty KXNO. All right, guys, welcome back. Randy Peterson here with me. Um, as well, let's go up to Hilton Coliseum real quick, shall we? Let's go up to the Cathedral. That's where Tommy Birch is at. He's covering Iowa State uh, TCU women tonight. Hey, Tommy. Hey, how are you? Great. How are you? You know, I'm I'm peachy. I wish I was there with you guys. So. Hey, we were just talking. Is Carlton going pro after this year? Yeah, Bridget Carlton. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, obviously that's uh, – that's a distinct possibility for her sometime down the road. But, you know, I think another year is going to help her. And I think for her, the biggest thing is she is really set on wanting to play for Team Canada in the Olympics someday. And I think from that aspect, you know, the Canadian basketball people are going to want her to get another year of experience. It's going to help her the pro level, too. So, you know, whenever she does go that route. So 
I mean, I, I don't think there's any hurry for her, and there's probably not a, a huge demand because, you know, she has been great at times, but she's still kind of a work in process, you know, you know in progress right now. I mean, we've seen her game develop in just so many different areas. Now it's just got to be a, probably another level of consistency before that becomes a legitimate conversation. That This TCU team they're playing tonight, is they're really good good right i mean they're they and they won like they strung like five six games in a row something like that yeah and this is a really tough stretch for the iowa state women i mean they've this is their fifth straight ranked opponent that they face right now and then after this game then they get k-state which not ranked but then they jump back into the gauntlet where you know they're gonna have oklahoma state again which is ranked and then they're gonna get rematched with tcu so I mean, up and down the Big 12, I mean, everybody talks about Baylor and Texas, kind of the kings of the big, you know, kings and queens of the Big 12. But, I mean, there were some other really, really, really good teams in the Big 12 as well. Thanks for your time, Tommy. We'll look forward to your coverage tonight, all right, buddy? I'm sure the excitement is killing you. (laughs) You had a great coverage of the Colin show last night, by the way. So what did uh, somebody called Probe and said that they were at that game in 59? Yeah, tell us that story. That's was, a good story. Yeah, she said she was at the armory. So, so she was uh, at the lowest, the the previous lowest scoring total in Iowa State history. She might be the only person in the world. I'm assuming she. I think she had said she was at uh, the last game too, the Tennessee game, which would mean she might be the only person in the world that's seen the two lowest scoring games. I wouldn't say Iowa. that. That was only 1959. Randy. Yeah, but Randy. How, many, how many actually had tickets to both games? Were you there? I don't know. I might have been. <laughs> In 1959, I was nine. I could have been. <laughs> he was tweeting from the game back then. Oh God, I don't tweet now unless I gun to my head. Peterson was delivering the Des Moines Register. I could have been. <laughs> ah. So... It how, wasn't like it's. It wasn't like it's another paleontology. How old did this lady era sound? Ago? How <laughs> nineteen fifty nine? That's the year. I mean, think KFC, before you talk. Think long, before you talk. It's a long time ago. It's like 50 think years before ago. you talk. No, but for real, like, how old do you think this lady was if she if she could re- recollect being there? Like, because you're talking like, yeah, I may have been there, but oh, I don't probably two hundred. <laughs> I mean, she she sounded like. She, she was still with the program pretty well. So, I like the say, program, like the Iowa State basketball program, or her, just her mental capacity? All, all of the above. Okay. She she seemed she. I mean, it, she would have been great to have gotten memories from uh, from back then because I mean, Chris, you you. I'm assuming you've been in the armory too. It's just insane oh, yeah. to think that basketball, like real life, you know, basketball games were taking place in that building so long ago. I mean, now you see that place and you're like, wow, that's, that's just insane. But she, um, <laughs> I think she Oh, you kids. <laughs> she, she wanted to be a pick-me-up for prom. And probably did the opposite. Off with that. How did yeah, prom react? <laughs> he just kind of smirked and giggled and was like, great, you know. Glad, glad uh, you could take man. me back to such a magical I, time in Iowa State. Magical. When's the last time anybody used that word in Iowa State? I tried to unplug last night, and I woke up this morning, checked Twitter, 
And the first thing I saw was Tommy's tweets on the Colin show last night. Last night seemed like an especially awesome show. The Colin show is extremely helpful because every now and then you you do get some news. I mean, Paul Rose would always give injury updates. He would drop that he wouldn't tell us, and then he'd do it on the Colin show. Yeah, he would. He would do that. I mean, Chrome every now and then has kind of dropped some some little news here and there. I mean, last night Bill Fenley said Brady Kennedy uh, Hapate, you know, was was not going to play in tonight's game. So, I mean, it's it's kind of nice to get a good feel for just the fan base too. Although those fans that call in are the diehards of diehard fans. Did and, did Cyclone Jerry predict that Iowa State would beat West Virginia without Nick Weiler Bab tomorrow night? I couldn't even understand what Cyclone Jerry was saying. He was battling a cold last night Ooh. too. So Ugh. it's tough enough when Jerry's a hundred percent to hear what he's saying, but you add that element and it's it's really difficult. Tommy, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Nineteen fifty nine wasn't that long ago. I mean Randy, you're pushing it's fifty years ago almost. Yeah? It's a long time. That's half a century. <sighs> Bye, Tommy. See you, Tommy. <laughs> See you, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's half a century. Like, I get where you're going with this, but that's a long time. So I don't really think Iowa State's going to have a breeze tomorrow night against West Virginia. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> changing, the subject, a, changing the subject quickly. Like, I don't like to be negative, hyperbolic. Oh, yeah, exactly. It could be a name-your-score type game. Right. Like, it, it, it could it's, get really ugly. I mean, unless... Wigginton and, and and Jackson look at it as as an opportunity to which I think they will great. and and sure but is that good? they still may not be good enough yeah that's that's I mean remember West Virginia got beat last Saturday by Kentucky hold and, on I, I'm gonna find us a point spread for tomorrow night is it up yet oh good it should be uh wow wow can I do a lock now for tomorrow's show. <laughs> he's good behind that window. He is. He's awesome. Joel, are you listening? West he Virginia needs a raise. Favored by nine. I will lay the nine and lock that up. Oh wow. You know you can improve in losses, and if it's by nine points, Iowa certainly I would say certainly have shown improvement. I hope they do. It'd make my life a lot better. I don't think that they will. Tomorrow night is not the time. Thanks, Randy. My pleasure. Thank you. It was fun. Appreciate it. We're going to throw it up to Hilton Coliseum. Rich Fellingham, Molly Parrott, standing by Iowa State women's basketball next here on 1460 KXNO.